says you're basically running for the door at this point, unless I'm mistaken. Oh, yes. Okay. You're running, trying to sort of push past the varying wizards of the White Council who are milling about in the wake of a fairly eventful trial, I would say. Politely pushing through, you know, she's pardoning herself, saying, excuse me, excuse me, as she goes. Of course. But also, also trying to, you know, be fast about it. I I love the idea of this new, like, fire in her gut, gonna take care of shit, Des, just like, running as quickly as she could and just being like, excuse me, pardon me, excuse me, sorry. I'm so sorry, (laughs) excuse me, pardon me, please. Yeah. (laughs) And then as soon as she's through, like, the people, just like the grim determination face comes back. And then as soon as you bump into someone, you're just like, oh, oh, so sorry, so sorry. And then set the face again. That's my girl. (laughs) Yeah. That's Dez. Yeah. So uh, for you other two, Dez just took off running. Yeah. Albion's going to try and follow. And I'm yeah, I'm going. (laughs) Uh, Hey, Rui, you might find us the way through this crowd, you know, doing your uh, summer mojo. Um. I mean, I was just going to make a diversion and run. That'll, that'll do. That'll do. <laughs> um, the diversion that Ro had not thought of yet. Um, <laughs> I want you to give me the most impulsive diversion that you can think of right now. Uh, is that going to be a fate point if you're offering it in those terms? I- uh, no, 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 it's because you are making a snap yeah. decision, and I want to know what it is. Yeah, Ro starts running through the crowd, and she's yelling, um, uh, uh, Jeremy, uh, guy, move, I need to get to my brother. <laughs> she's running. <laughs> Af- after Jeremy, her brother. Okay, De- uh, all right, um, I am going to... Make you make a roll for this okay. to have any assistive effect whatsoever. It's uh, fine if it I'm, does. I'm going to, because there is the high likelihood that this is just going to cause confusion and make it harder. Um, okay. Just so you know. Uh, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to say that this is, uh, let's see, let's go with a, let's go with a performance roll on this one and it's going to be restricted by deceit so you're probably not going to get the restriction penalty but the target for both is a five so roll me your deceit first okay (laughs) my deceit is a two cool so that's restricting you um roll your performance at a minus one okay (laughs) so needless to say i don't get through with my negative three (laughs) Ooh, baby. No, no, but I am going to give you a fate point for being basically Cold. the most row. Thank you. I will take that point. Maximum row. Yeah. Um, Albion, uh, I'm afraid to say that this that has not made things better. Uh, people are now sort of turning and looking in the direction of the both of you with some obvious confusion and they have not really moved out of your way at all. And now the individuals that you would have to push past are like looking at you. So So it has come um, to Rose immediate attention then that, uh, 
She could have just walked through the crowd. No problem. <laughs> Albion is just going to try and stay in a, um, as the commanding voice as, as possible. Stand aside, please. This is great. Okay. Everybody. All right. I feel like that should be a presence roll. Yeah, I think that is going to be a presence roll, my guy. To actually make this work, I'm going to say this is going to invoke the hindrance that was <laughs> hit that you got hit with thanks to Roe. Uh, we're going to set this at a four. Cool. I got a five. This whole okay, campaign great. is just us screwing ourselves out of things. <laughs> Listen, Albion, it's me. I know how to be loud. It's fine. Albion. Okay, so two things to consider here. One, Albion is he's Albion. He's he's an outsider uh, with with a gun uh, that he did have out and was cleaning. Uh, oh. So people might recognize like, oh, yeah, this dude is like an armed outsider, not outsider, but like, you know what I mean? Uh, not with a capital O. Um, and also, you have marked by power. So yep. if if that if that gun at your side, if Gugnir is in any way visible at all, pretty much anybody in that room is going to recognize like, oh, this is somebody who has that mark, that mark uh, of power uh, attachment to some supernatural thing. Yeah, it's um, not out, but he has the coat thrown back so it's visible. So, yeah, people who can see you coming are like, oh, shit, the dude with the gun just told me to get out of the way. And secondly, oh, shit, the dude with the magic gun that's got <laughs> Odin runes on it just uh, is, is suggesting I get out of his way. So don't mind the little girl he's with. <laughs> yeah, don't don't mind her. Also, the fact that, you know, you did come in with Warden Beaumont, who is a known figure, uh, kind of cancels out the fact that you came in with Marcus Walbrook, who's also a known figure. So that's just a wash. Uh, but yeah, you're you're not somebody who they should take lightly. And they're going to actually try their best to get out of your way as you're running. So I'm going to say that for your sprint here... It's only going to be a barrier of one. Cool. So to move outside and, and through the door to catch up with Dez in any meaningful way, you're going to have to roll better than a two on your athletics. Well, I have good athletics, so that plus one will give me enough. That's a three. Great. So you are able to use your powerful running legs that you definitely have from all of the, you know, running at. I was going to say running from, but no, it's all running at monsters that you do. Um, I, I mean, Roe's going to do the thing that Roe does best after making an unrealistic and unneeded scene. And she's just going to walk through the crowd and not make eye contact with anyone. Uh, in this particular room, that is of a special import. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, but like she's looking at her feet. <laughs> She's just walking out of the room. <laughs> okay. Very, um, sadly. I'm going to have to tell you this, that uh, because you did just 
yell about somebody uh, and that you couldn't find them, you are going to be asked by a couple of the people that you pass. A couple of the wizards are going to ask, like, <laughs> if you actually need any assistance finding somebody. Uh, Rose answer is stammered every time. And she's like, uh, no, actually, I, I found him. I'm good. Thanks. What? <laughs> okay, good. So they're, they just all know that you're lying. It's great. Um, I, I like to think that they think she's just losing her mind a little. <laughs> that might give them cause to like, maybe not let you run loose in, uh, their complex under <laughs> castle in Edinburgh. Just let me leave this room, please. <laughs> <laughs> I understand I made a mistake, but that was like 20 minutes ago in recording time. <laughs> just if you want to get out, you can just try to move quickly because you know you're chasing someone. It's like give me an athletics roll. Okay. You have a barrier of one. Okay, I rolled a two. <laughs> Yay. Great. So you're out of the you're out of the amphitheater now. Thank God. And now you are in the like just sort of general halls of this place. And I'm gonna have you make me a quick alertness roll or a lore roll, I suppose, because you could try to sense your connection to like sense Albion or Des in here. Whichever one you want to make, target is gonna be three. Well, that's why I'm gonna do alertness. Uh Oh, that's a six. Great. So you do not immediately lose them in uh, the crowd and the confusion of a couple people having just burst out of this <laughs> particular place. Uh, so, yeah, no, you, you know exactly where they are and you're able to uh, a adequately follow. Uh, so great. If you keep sprinting, you will not just lose them in the crowd. So cool. you got that like locked on. So Perfect. good. I'm glad that was your good role. I can do something right. <laughs> yes. And it's see two people running. So, Christine, mm -hmm. let's talk about Dez. Dez is going to have to make me a quick alertness assessment as you are uh, now, like, you know, bursting out into this place. Albion is running up behind you. Uh, Gwen Rowe is somewhere uh, running to catch up. Um, but you you have burst out into this uh, this underground chamber, and I wanted to see if you can spot your quarry. Is there um, a number I'm trying to hit? Three. Oh, oh, got a three. Fantastic. So you are able to determine that in the time between the two of them being escorted out and you running out to try to catch them. The patriarch of the Walbrook family and his daughter, neither of them are in this chamber anymore. So you, you know that they are both not here, but you can try to get a sense for where they might be. You would have to make me a lore roll as an investigation because something did try to get inside your head, or rather someone, and you might try to sort of trace that back to its source with your supernatural senses. I would like to, yes. Um, is there a target I'm going for? It's going to be a five. 
You are in a place with a bunch of wizards. That's a four, but um, I do have fate points that I would like to invoke. I would just need you to invoke one, though. Yeah, invoke an aspect. Go for it. I'm just going to go with Born with the Gift. Uh, she's got her supernatural senses. She was able to pinpoint where who this came from. And I would like to think that she could still be kind of riding that high of finding out where it came from. Okay. And that would make so that a gonna, six. That would make that a six. Okay. So this is not a place that you are terribly familiar with, having never been here before. You did get a little bit of a walking history lesson from Warden Chaplin. So you... Oh, she would have paid attention to that, too. Absolutely. So you now have a bead on where this person has gone to. I'm going to say you can kind of visualize it mm -hmm. uh, as sort of a trail of where their spirit has passed in this this space. And there Weird is magic. Yes, because that's what you do. Uh, so and this is quick and dirty kind of like mm, focus in so you are able to kind of see a connection uh between your mind and this path that winds through the halls because this is a person who tried to who did touch your mind but tried to do more so you're going to try to follow that that trail and pick up on the spirit of the one who done did attempt so you now have that that you can follow. Albion has caught up to you. Uh, where are we going? While we're running, what's going on? Follow me. I know who did this. All right, care to share with the class? Who do you think? Are you saying this while running? Yes. <laughs> Perfect. This is an Aaron Sorkin walk and talk scene. Uh, oh man. Okay. So, Ro? Mm-hmm. They're both busting out of here and uh, they're they're both running so they're running away i will need you to make me an athletics to try to catch up to them i'm gonna first need you two to actually give me an athletics to see how far you can go i'm gonna say that since you are carefully trying to follow a trail that's going to be restricted by your lore des so give me i'm gonna say target three on your lore roll to see if you are able to move uh, efficiently and quickly while still following this. Target three lore? Mm-hmm. That is a three. Okay. Yep, you're keeping that third eye tuned on this guy's trail, and you're able to follow it as though it were something that was, like, marked in front of you, like an obvious path. So I'm not going to slow you down on your athletics, uh, give me an athletics roll, and we're going to say that um, every zone, given that there's probably people, and it is still unfamiliar ground, I'm going to say that every zone you want to move is a barrier of one. Um, let's make, you know what? Let's codify this as an actual chase. <sighs> okay. We're doing this as a chase now, so you need to cross six zones. They need to cross three zones. They do one zone around. 
So you have basically three rounds to get me uh, six shifts of success with athletics, and it is all very much dependent on you, uh, unless somebody else picks up that same trail. So, Roe is one zone behind, and is still has a clear trail to follow because she did spot you both, uh, so she she's functioning under the same kind of lack of restriction there. So it's just one barrier for every zone you have to pass through. Everybody, give me a roll. An athletics roll. Okay, and what's my target? I got a five. It's going to basically be really dependent on what Des gets. I got a zero. <laughs> so that's gonna be not leaving this zone. That's a problem. I will happily invoke another fate point if you will have it. <laughs> I will take a fate point if you want to invoke one of your aspects. What yeah. would you like to invoke? Uh, I'm going to do I get by with a little help from my friends. And this was Reasonable. actually this was actually um, a tag that I got from a adventure with Marcus and I basically am very fired up because of my friends right now, and I'm bolstered by the strength of them also being with me. Ooh, you know, given the origin of that aspect and how you're using it right now, uh, I'm going to give that one to you for free. Oh, okay, cool. I Yeah, given the events of the day, given the circumstances of this particular invocation, and also given maybe something that I did not mechanically tell you about from earlier... That sandwich is carrying you a long way. Let's just put it that way. Yeah, I'm going <laughs> to let you do that one for free. Okay. So uh, so I would be... If you would like to invoke another one, you'd get to move two him. zones. Well, here's the thing. If I if I did give you a fate point, though, then I would move four zones instead of two, right? You would move two zones because each zone has a one level of barrier. And I have to go through six zones? In three rounds, yes. Oi. Well, uh, yeah, take that fate point. <laughs> okay. I will tell you that the result of this, you as a character would not know. But as a player, it means that access to this person is going to be much, much more difficult if you don't get there in time. Yeah. No, you already have my fate point. <laughs> don't have to give me the hard sell. <laughs> no, but I, I do need to give you the stakes. All right. It's not that they're going to just be gone, but it is that it is going to be that it's much more difficult to yeah. uh, actually like confront them or anything of the sort. Yep. So everyone else is able to successfully catch up and make it there. Remember, you can take multiple actions. It just gives you a minus one on I, your main action. I'm so bad at rolling. Let's not do that. <laughs> that suggestion might not have been for you, but hey. Just a general reminder of, you know, how rounds do. So I would like to know what everybody is choosing to do on this round. You have all successfully caught up to Dez with your good rolls. Alvis is to go, where we're going? Still figuring that, but I'm following his trail. All right, so it is who I thought you meant, and that is uh, not the news I was hoping for. And with what? that, Albion is actually drawing Gugnir. Whew, okay, dramatic all choice. Right. All right. <laughs> I'm gonna slow down time with my summer magic that I have. What? I don't know if you can do that, but uh, you can potentially speed up other things. 
I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna speed us up. Are you, okay. Are you suggesting that you want to put, like, wind at your back to try to get you to move faster than your human limitations? Yeah. Great. That sounds like an ideal use of your innate summer connection. And I am going to have to make you uh, roll to resist being compelled by the choice. Okay. Because you are, yeah, this is a pretty big reach beyond something that you normally get to do for free so we're gonna say that this would be compelling you at a four with a a deceit roll okay so give me that deceit roll okay we're at five great (laughs) just you are not compelled to make the choice (laughs) in this moment but you have a snap decision that you feel like if you if you need to get there in a hurry you've been around Marcus, you've met your mom, you've talked with a winter court fae, sure, uh, but you've had some examples and some understanding of, like, things you can do, manipulations you can do, and how they're not really that limited. They are limited because it's summer, but in other ways, they're not. Air is typically the domain of the winter court, but putting a nice summer breeze at one's back, that's something you can do. So let's have you, let's go with, uh, this is going to be a target three because it's a maneuver. Uh, then it's going to be a four because it's a maneuver targeting multiple people grouped together. It's a three. Okay, so you have the inspiration to do it, but you aren't really able to successfully pull it off with a three. Except for I use my fate point. I'm going to use a half manic, half pixie thief girl because i am in a place where my magic is like i should be like more connected to it correct um i mean you're just calling upon your own base instincts as somebody who is half fey yeah yeah i mean i'll take that invocation good all right everybody gets to add a grand total of plus two to their athletics rolls while Roe maintains this. You have the temporary aspect of wind at my back, basically. So everybody make your athletics rolls. Roe, you are making your roll at a minus one. Okay, three. And that is a four, because I rolled neutral. Six. Okay, so Gwen, did you add the plus two for the thing you gave to yourself? No, that's a five. Cool. So functionally... Christine, you get to cross three zones. Everyone else is, unfortunately, since odds don't roll up, they're going to be two zones of movement. So you're only one zone away from Dez, but still very much evil to follow her. Um, I'll say that this is like a passageway that has straightened out at the end. So like you're rounding the corner and you see that the it's kind of a straight shot from here. So Des is one zone further down that straight path. You can all see now kind of where this is leading toward. And there is a single passageway in this part of the complex that uh, does have some statues in the corridor uh, that are just there. Uh, You can't really make out a lot of details about them without, uh, like, pausing for a second to study. 
And at the end of this corridor that is about two zones in length, there is a single door. And there are there's stuff in between you and there, including those statues as mentioned, but also uh, some wizards who are uh, obviously wearing warden capes. So that is what is in front of you. Des, since you are the closest, uh, you can see that there are, are a couple of wardens who are walking with Marcus's dad and uh, Marcus's sister towards this single imposing door. You are one zone away from catching them. What are y'all doing on this round? Uh, I'm moving to catch up with Des. Do I have to make any extra rolls to keep like the the wind happening still? You sure do. It's going to okay. be another deceit target four, and that is going to constitute supplemental action, so your main action will be at minus one, but okay. you give yourself a plus two by maintaining it. Cool. And uh, Des? I think Des is going to try yelling at the wardens, um, telling them to arrest that man. Okay. <laughs> Are you doing that while you're running? Yes. Yes, Great. she's going to get even closer in a minute. Hopefully, so, if I don't roll bad. Knock on wood. Okay, so uh, attempting to influence somebody else to do something, uh, I'm going to go with you can make a performance roll on this one because you do have a cool ability. I, I think it lets you replace deceit, but I'm going to yeah. just that's close enough because um, otherwise it'd be like presence. And I don't think you have a lot. I don't think I have presence. Yeah. So y you're going to I'm going to let you roll this as a performance because I'm I just I like you. I like you guys. So uh, row, I'm going to need you to make your supplemental action first. That is a six to keep my shit going. Yay! So it keeps going. Very good. Des, I'm going to have you roll performance to do what you want to do before you make your athletics roll and then I'm going to yeah I'm going to roll for the wardens in here all right that is a three in performance okay so what you did does not have the intended effect unfortunately no uh they they aren't gonna really stop moving with him and just be like oh yeah here we go and like hand him over but you're going to figure out pretty quickly why that is. Um, and it, you all need to make your athletics rolls. Mm -hmm. Albion. Yep. When you're done, I'm going to need a different roll from you. Okay. Athletics roll. All right. That is... And I still have the plus two? You do. That is a six. Amazing. Everyone else? Two. Two. Okay. You are able to cross that last zone. So Did it. Uh, yep, and Albion is, in theory, going to catch up with you. Ro, give me that athletics roll as well. Four. Okay, that is enough to cross those zones as well. Tom. Yeah? I need Albion to make me... Hmm. I think this is going to have to be a lore roll, because this is something supernatural happening, uh, and it's a... It's kind of a snap thing that's occurring. And I think this is like your sort of supernatural awareness would be tied to what's about to happen here. So um, your target is going to be an eight as you start to feel uh, before you're even consciously aware that this is happening. Gungnir is being tugged at 
from somewhere in this room and your arm is extending towards something. Um, so I'm going to need you to make me that roll. Okay. Um, I can't possibly hit an eight unless I get four pluses and then spend my one last fate point to invoke an aspect. So this is a long shot. It's not going to pay off. I, I'm not going to be able to make that roll. Okay. So I got two pluses. I the best I'm going to be able to do even with a fate point is a six. Ah, yeah, that's rough, buddy. So now I'm going to actually make you roll me a physical alertness. I'm going to call it the difference. Let's go with a four. Easily done. That's a five. Okay. So you actually let go of Gugnir as it is being ripped from your hand by an unseen force. You don't just hold on to it and get flung upwards with it because one of the statues as you pass flashes a pretty significant like red hue uh, into the hallway and one of its hands seems like an outstretched hand uh, what the other one is holding a shield uh, the one that's outstretched Gugnir flies right into it okay and that's what has happened is that your your magic gun got right up into the hand of a giant statue in this corridor and it is uh, you know it's it's illuminating with this red hue and it is making a kind of low noise that is inescapable and uh, wardens are taking notice of this happening at the same time did the as, other gun i have on me get pulled away um no just uh, ooh, actually that's a great question um the other one is holstered isn't it yeah okay you made your athletics roll or alertness yep. roll sufficiently so i'm gonna give you i'm gonna give you the success on that uh and say that it is magnetically pulled from its holster and you are able to avoid getting pulled up by the waist basically um yeah, so I snap the holster as the gun is pulled away. Yeah, your 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 reflexes are able to somehow make that happen in in the time uh, that this force is starting to tug Wait, at you. Wait, are these guns made of ferrous metal though? That's a question you're going to have to ask later. So up they go and into the hand of the statue. So in this like quick action happening, you're able to get into the zone with the guy, but. There's a pair of wardens now between you and him, and they both draw swords and basically block your use them to sort of like cross and block the path. Uh, the other two of you, Des and Ro, are past those two wardens by the time that Albion seems to trip an automatic uh, magical mechanism. So you're you're not impeded by this. You are in the same zone as the wardens who have been escorting uh, Mr. Walbrook and Marcus's sister. So you did just yell, arrest that man. As you catch up, uh, one of the, uh, like Marcus's dad is just like the nerve as one of the wardens, just like, we're literally taking him to a prison cell right now. What do you mean? Who are you? Jess just gets up in Marcus's dad's face. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? You hypocrite! 
How dare you? How dare you? And what even do you accuse me of? Invading our minds? Huh? Huh? The, there's... Think I wouldn't know it was you? You have no idea what I'm capable of. You are threatening a respected member, and you hear Marcus's sister just go, <laughs> and he, he, he physically restrains himself uh, to keep going at you instead. Um, and he just says, you are threatening a respected member of the White Council of Wizards, and you slander me and accuse me of the same crime that I so grossly deny my son over. How dare you? Des is going to turn to one of the wardens and, and ask, is there any way to tell if myself and my friends have received psychic damage within the last several minutes? They both look at you and uh, they, <laughs> they just sort of look between each other. And uh, one of the wardens, uh, she just looks at you and says, I'm so invading the mind of another leaves an indelible mark and usually shows pretty immediate side effects and consequences. But we could, I don't know how we could necessarily check that. We're not exactly trained in how to do that, given that it's a crime, the one you're accusing him of. We would have to be able to do something similar in order to detect it. Someone higher up then who can look at us with the sight. I was able to trace the attempted damage back to this man. Who even, who even is she? Who even is, who are you? I am Desdemona fucking Brown. Yes! (laughs) (laughs) Well, Miss Desdemona Brown, who are you? Can you I have shown no up by wizard. now, if I might ask? You, um, you, okay, back there, uh, you're being asked about, uh, why you had weapon, you had a weapon drawn uh, that was just confiscated, uh, mm. by an automatic thing. So, yeah, it, back there, they're, they're asking you, like, what the hell you're doing. You're running at a prison cell with a weapon drawn. Uh, yeah, I just had someone try to fuck my brain, and, uh, I I needed that in case I had to defend myself, but, you know, you're here, cool. You might follow me for a sec. Uh, okay, um, they, they are pretty confused at the moment, (laughs) given all of the things that are happening. You have somebody, uh, physically- Did we hear Des yell, arrest that man, if I might ask? Uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 like that everybody. Guy who she's just yelling at. Um, I'm pretty sure he just tried to break a law of magic in my brain. So, uh, you mind following me for a sec? They do not lower their swords, but they are looking between each other and you at the moment and trying to decide how best to proceed. I just reach up and touch Gugnir while it's in the hand, so that the uh, ma- so the uh, mark of power shows. Like, oh, it's it, it's out of your reach. I'm afraid, <laughs> but. Then I jump up and high-five it. No, it's visible to... Like, they know it's yours. It's... The the mark is visible. Yeah. So, like, I'm I'm saying that they they get to have that mark by power 
yeah. uh, effect because they know that's yours and that it's tied yeah. to you. Like they can tell. So uh, I'm going to I'm going to resolve that in a moment because um, they are they're taking a, a moment to ponder the implications of what you just said and who you are and wh who you're marked by. And uh, Des, Marcus's father just looks at you and says, you are no wizard. <laughs> you are nobody. <laughs> I come from a long, matrilineal line of medium psychics. I am a monster killer. This night, I have supped upon the food of angels, and I am a friend to Marcus Walbrook. Who am I? <laughs> Who the fuck are you? And apparently... I haven't seen or heard the last of you? <laughs> She's just gonna laugh in his face. Uh, okay. Holy shit. Uh, Mike the Game Master Fuck is recovering me. from being stunned. Um, <laughs> so... Okay, I... <laughs> Shit. <laughs> what role does this fall under what you are doing here? Presence. I don't think this is intimidation. Oh, I don't have any of that. I can roll yeah. tonight, though. Yeah, uh, yeah, no. You do a quick you roll, read here. I, I, I'm going to say, you, you role-played so goddamn hard, I'm putting in a, a temporary aspect on you, because this is like... My performance Ugh. is the same as rapport, so that doesn't really matter. <laughs> uh, well. You see, the thing is about men like that, they hate when women laugh at them. Yeah, no, you are absolutely tugging on. Uh, you're basically like freely tagging an aspect of his that you didn't necessarily even know uh, about. Uh, mechanically so yeah you get a you're gonna get a free plus two because you absolutely did just touch a nerve and hit an aspect of his so um i'm actually gonna give you a free empathy read for this okay and that's a three okay yeah uh i was gonna set a challenge of three wonderful yeah that normally I it you have because to spend, i'm awesome normally you have to spend <laughs> 10 minutes with somebody to get just that, like, sort of casual free empathy read. Well, uh, I was I'm, in a room I'm, with him for an entire trial. You aren't really interacting with him for That's much of true. it. But I am still giving this to you. Stop yes. trying to argue that you get it. Give me. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, yep. Uh, it, yeah, you, you get... Uh, you get an aspect read. It's not necessarily the total aspect uh uh exactly but it is an approximation of one of his character aspects and um uh it is uh behind every great man is a woman comma disdained <laughs> so yeah you are hitting on his uh patriarchal assholery 
and getting under his skin with it. So, uh, yeah, you get a free plus two on this intimidation roll. So give me a roll. Well, can it be either rapport or performance instead of intimidation? Because I don't have intimidation. I mean, are you putting on an act here or are you? Uh, Not really. (laughs) Because you are. This is this is, I would say, pretty fucking earnest. Um, However, you know, I'm. I think given the earnestness of this, I'm going to let you make a role to try to complement this with your conviction. So conviction is good uh, to get a to get a the, a free plus two on this. I'm going to say roll that's me. a five. OK, a three. Good. You did it. So, yeah, you you have a fire of conviction behind your words. You're effectively invoking like a stunt that you don't have. Um, All right, so, so I, I have a base of three with a plus two to this next roll. Then, uh, you have a base of plus four total. Okay, I'll take that. Yeah. Alrighty, so that is a three intimidation. Okay. Well, how? How is that even possible? Uh, I'm rolling bad. Um, Excellent. But. But don't tell me you matched. I did match. I will happily three. I will happily give you a fate point because at this point, I don't even care. (laughs) I'm just you're trying to forcibly socially uh, break through this sort of mask that he's put on. I'm going to give you my high concept haunted hunted mouthpiece of the supernatural, because not only have I invoked most of my history at that point emphasis on mouthpiece i'm mouthing off to you right now (laughs) enjoy my fate point i have two left okay so and that would make it a five it sure would all right i hope wherever sly is he's listening (laughs) uh okay so you hit him with a social maneuver, an intimidate maneuver to uh, break through this dude's metaphysical armor. <laughs> Even though he was basically saying that you were nobody, talking very down to you from a place of power, that was him being composed. You just cut through that. You're now about to get the full force of Marcus Walbrook's father, the same man who emotionally manipulated and abused his children for decades, is going to basically lay in front of you bare naked now. Please don't. He's probably old and gross. Pass. Don't undercut my moment. (laughs) So there is a rage that he had been keeping enough in check that it simply looks like, you know, potentially justifiable anger. Not that any of you bought it as, uh, as justified, but it could have read that way. 
that was the control that he was exerting over his own emotional state. And uh, you just struck down that artifice and he is looking you in the face and he starts screaming at you, not yelling, not bellowing. He's done those. He is now screaming in your face. Flecks of spittle uh, are are striking you as he uh, basically starts to scream. Kitchen witch, you know not who you meddle with. You, you have the absolute audacity to stand here and threaten me. I am the patriarch of a lineage of wizards that dates back centuries. And he accidentally makes eye contact with you. I need you oh, to make shit. me a quick roll. <laughs> oh, no. Help. Uh, to try to avoid making actual eye contact with him. Uh, this is going to be... Uh, this is going to be an alertness roll. And uh, because I, I think everything here is just so high intensity emotion and everybody is just kind of like getting each other uh and really getting under each other's skin uh this is a five to notice this is happening before it's too late <laughs> baby's first sulky <laughs> let's see oh, no. uh alertness <laughs> i made a four and i'm not gonna waste a fade point for that oh good Oh, I need oh, to pull boy. up a document. <laughs> you sure do. <laughs> oh, no, this is not how I thought this would ever go. Oh. You got under this dude's skin and he made a mistake. So a soul gaze has two components. The first is a mutual psychic attack. Roll your conviction as an attack defended by the other's discipline. I will have you roll your conviction first. Okay. Four. All right. So even though he is shaken, his core discipline is still enough to not take any damage from it. Let's now move on to him and his conviction. So that's a five. Roll your discipline. Three. Okay, that's going to be two mental stress. Okay, I've got plenty of those available, so. Uh, yeah. So you are now soul gazing with the patriarch of the Walbrick family, the father to your friend, Marcus, and currently uh, the object of your antipathy and ire, because uh, he, uh, you, you'd see him as a hypocrite who uh, attempted to punish his son in order to avoid being implicated in basically the very same thing. So this is definitely going to be uh, colored in an interesting way. Uh, because you are somebody who uh, beholds the world in a very spiritual way. Uh, you're, you will literally do the magic of spirit. So you get to see this guy in front of you, and he stands before you similar to one of those like Lord of the Rings statues, you know, with the arm outstretched and like imposing and giant um and like he has you know this weight of legacy behind him kind of how those that those sorts of statues imply 
that history, that past, that that solidity, that rigidity, um, you know, that that grounding in this time and place. And yeah, it sure looks like he is he is doing some action here. And by all appearances, it is heroic, but grim. This looks like the sort of grim determination of a man who is taking whatever means necessary to ensure uh, that the important work that needs to get done gets done. And you, with your special eyes, you see through that exterior portrait of him and you see the an implication of a soul bearing basically the same dimensions, the same shape inside of this person, taking sort of the metaphor of the soul and making it very literal. And on each of his hands and on each of his feet, you can see what looks like a string taut reaching up to some unknown place. Uh, but every motion that he makes the string that is seemingly attached to that point in his soul precedes the motion that he makes, uh, apparently like forcing it into action. Uh, uh, so it seems kind of like marionette strings, sort of a spectral implication of it. There is a hand above it, uh, but it is shrouded not in darkness, but in brightness to obscure itself, and it is uh, painful to behold, and you could feel as though trying to look on this with your eyes uh, would basically be blinding you and burning your eyes out, and you have like a silent scream in your throat as the vision ends. And now I get to know what it looks like to see Desdemona's side of a soul gaze. So the inside of Desdemona's soul gaze is like the inside of her parlor, but it's sort of a dreamscape. How your home is your home when you dream, but it's not your home. Everything, though, is in shambles. And everything is kinetic and moving. The walls are lined with light blue lines crisscrossing everything, showing wards, dozens and dozens of wards. The walls where the family pictures are, they are splayed out in this odd tableau. Some of them are flipped around her granny's portrait, which is always, like, big and central, it's spinning. And the pictures actually kind of splay out into this tableau of a genealogical tree. And most of the wards are actually broken and are being consumed by hungry ghosts and spirits and supernatural beings. The room itself, all of the furniture is all over the place, and it looks like a chaotic mess until when you actually 
notice and take a look at it. It is actually circles. It is circles. The outside circles are the large furniture. And the deeper into the circles you go, it's large furniture, medium furniture, going down into smaller furniture. And then after that, it's circles of books and then tchotchkes, just smaller as you go into the center of the room. And in the center, you've got Desdemona kneeling down and she's trying to make circles around herself with the only thing that she has left, which is candle wax. And it's burning fast because it's burning from both ends. Every single one of her fingertips is bleeding as she is just closing off every circle and ward. But they all just keep being consumed by more and more hungry spirits. It's sort of like out of a horror film. She has tears streaming down her face. She's muttering to herself, gotta stay ahead, gotta stay ahead, gotta stay ahead. And she's constantly looking behind her because there in the hallway archway, there is a thin shadowy profile in a long coat and hat. And it's leaning against the, the lintel there. And it's just waiting patiently and it's smoking this figure you can just tell as you look at it over and over again it has the worst plans they're unimaginable insidious malevolent and all he has to do is take his time and wait and you can tell that it is happy to savor the cat and mouse game and that's her soul gaze you break out of that and I think unconsciously your mouth kind of screws up into that silent scream before you are consciously aware that you are back in the real world. I think she's going to crumble to her knees and just stare up into his face. And uh, he, now that he can like look at you without risk of soul gazing again... He does look you directly in the eyes, and you can see that, you know, a soul gaze, no time actually really passes. So the fact that he already has lines running down his face that indicate tears is really saying something, and he looks at you. And just says, get me away from her. Get me away from her. Do your goddamn jobs and get me away from her. She just looks at him one more time and she says kind of softly, you speak about the importance of legacy, but you're too blind to see it. You're going to lose everything. Your children are your legacy and they hate you. It's all for nothing. Everything you've done has been for nothing. You, you don't understand. You don't understand. I need to physically be away from her, right? And uh, at that moment, uh, there is a brilliant flash that engulfs everything. Albion, uh, you've been sort of arguing with the wardens trying to get past. Let me through now. 
give me that presence roll. Um, I'm I'm gonna put it against a just a target of three. That is a five. They are not gonna get in your way. They have this understanding that you are in some way an agent of Odin. Give him my gun and let me through. Acting on a sort of ancient instinct, uh, your your right arm extends behind you and Gugnir returns to your hand. <laughs> you have no idea how happy that makes me. I have wanted to be able to do that this whole time. <laughs> so you get the gun back in your hand and uh, as you are running towards this scene, there is this unbelievable flash just brightness and and warmth and light and i need everybody to well you can make a roll there is a possible chance it's just that you are going to be rolling um i'm gonna say this is gonna be hitting discipline and the target is 10 yeah, there's no way I can hit that. Not even yeah, with a no. fate point. Not unless I were to add my conviction to it somehow. I got a five, and um, I imagine that Dez is probably very distracted right now. I got a one. You got a one? Amazing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that. Gwen, Ro has absolutely no chance. Uh, she is just immediately unconscious. Um, Albion, <laughs> I'm gonna let you roll conviction. Okay. And I'm giving you this not so that you are not knocked unconscious, but that it doesn't happen immediately. You are getting taken out by this. I'm giving you a chance to uh, resist a little bit with conviction so that you might have some information before you fall to the ground. What did you roll for your discipline again? I didn't roll yet. Give me that discipline roll first. That's four pluses. I If I can get up to a nine, I would still fail, though. But that Correct. is a discipline of seven, naturally. Could I spend my fate point to add my conviction to it using righteousness? I think in this case, ten is actually a lenient number, for what's happening here, so I'm going to say no. Okay. It's intentionally overpowerful, so I gave okay. you a... Like, I got yeah. so close, guys. You did. Um, oh, but man. But I'm giving you the difference as a conviction roll, which is a three. Okay. That is six. I double it. Okay. Amazing. So this hits you with... Uh, basically just a tidal wave of the uh, aforementioned uh, effects. Um, and I really want to know what the result of Dez's role was. It was a five. Okay. I got half there. <laughs> I'm going to give you a chance as well to roll a conviction against a five for the same kind of effect that Albion uh, is getting here. Because... Yeah, this is I, I feel like you are 
you are in a place. Mm, that that's just a three. Well, you and I'm not going to give any fate points to okay avoid this. Oh, you wouldn't avoid it. You would just get extra info. Yeah, no, I think that she's way too distracted right now. <laughs> okay, so Ro, as soon as this happens, you're you're gone. You're just out. Mm-hmm. Des, uh, this hits you just like a ton of bricks, and you also go out. You just go unconscious. Uh, you have an active struggle, and it's it's a lot. Like you can feel that maybe if you could maybe just power through and then you're gone. You're out. Um, Albion. I don't know what is hitting him, but I feel like whatever is hitting him right now, there is this like almost like dome of silver fire that erupts from his hand holding the gun that is like withstanding it and is trying to hold back and is flickering and flickering and is getting overwhelmed. Uh, It gets overwhelmed pretty quickly. You have a very brief moment uh, in which you get to try to see something. And I'm going to let you make me a lore roll to try to understand what you are looking at. And your target is a five. If you beat that success by at least two, you will get more specific information on what you're looking at. All right. On. Okay. That is a five. But. I'm going to spend my last fate point that I have. I'm going to hit hard traveling, magic dabbling, gunslinging monster hunter. Because I have been places, I have seen things, and I have learned. I have a journal with all my shit written down in it. I know a thing or two. I have read a book. Okay. Your final thought before you go unconscious is god damn it dresden <laughs> oh no because you have the briefest moment to see in front of you a female form radiant and resplendent it is absolutely too much for your mortal eyes to take in in this raw embodiment of the queen of summer titania and you are unconscious everyone wakes up later you are definitely well let's talk about some things first let's talk about mental consequences that's fair now typically consequences are something you take so that you're not immediately taken out of a scene but this is something that definitely imposed aspects on you because it beat you and one of those aspects was that you were knocked unconscious Uh, another one is that you are disoriented and I'm going to give that a mild mental consequence of of disorientation because you are waking up from being knocked unconscious because your mind got overloaded. So everyone has that sort of mental disorientation uh, effect on them 
but you can proceed largely as normal, and I will uh, hinder you as necessary with that. All of you are, you know, sort of waking up from being blacked out. We'll say roughly around the same time as each other, just for convenience's sake. Ro, I think, is going to take longer to rouse because Ro was absolutely bodied uh, by this. So, by her own queen. So, <laughs> Ro died. No, Albion. <laughs> uh, betrayal. Uh, <laughs> I, I need Jeff Steitzer. I need Jeff Steitzer to record that. Um, so, uh, Tom Albion yeah. is the first one to properly rouse, and you still have Gungnir in your hand. Uh, as you are on the floor, you are uh, supine. And as you look up and look around, what are you looking for first? Um, I'm looking for Des and Ro. Okay. Um, both of them are still unconscious, uh, but Des looks like she is maybe starting to like actually move uh, and groan. It sounds like she's kind of like groaning as she's maybe coming out of it. Ro is still very much just unmoving on the ground. You don't see like a pool of blood or any like immediate sign of injury. There's nothing blindingly visible to say like that Ro is physically injured. You would need a, a deeper uh, examination to determine anything more. After you check on those two people, you can see other people in this corridor have been getting to their feet, uh, even possibly before you. There are a couple of wardens who are dragging the unconscious forms of Marcus's father and sister behind that uh that door at the end of the corridor into what has been identified to you as uh either a, a prison or a holding cell of some kind des by the time that you are able to uh re regain consciousness uh you you do so just in time to hear that door shut in front of you and if you look around to try to find either of the wall brooks uh they are not there anymore and uh it looks like there's fewer wardens in this hallway than in this corridor than you remember and you can see albion is already getting back to his feet uh roe is still knocked out at the moment but everyone else that was in this corridor aside from the two wardens who you didn't see but they dragged uh the uh mr walbrook and uh uh, Marcus's sister away though none of them are there but you you can see everybody else is kind of coming back to and getting back to their feet uh Ro mm -hmm. um <laughs> I yeah you 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 got you got hit real hard so you you rouse last of the three not much longer after them um but it is still like it it sucks to be you right now because you got hit with um something that seemed physically blinding and a mental pressure uh unlike anything you have ever experienced before 
and Mm -hmm. you just you don't even remember hitting the ground you were unconscious standing before you uh, even had a chance to fall so you're a little sore uh but no worse for wear otherwise um and yeah that is the situation where you find yourselves uh this 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 corridor otherwise looks relatively unchanged alvian is going to offer a hand to ro to help her up not ro to des sorry because des was getting up first oh no did they get away alvian um they got dragged into a cell so i don't think so no oh thank goodness um what just happened i'll get to that in a sec des you uh looks like you scared the shit out of him huh (laughs) <laughs> I sure hope so. Alvin just hugs her at a girl. <laughs> the wardens in the hallway uh, that are coming to are like running toward you and uh, checking to make sure that everybody is okay. They are because you guys are guests. Uh, yep. They are they're checking on you before they check on each other uh, to make sure that you guys are okay. And uh, yeah, there's there's no. Uh, physical malady that they can find uh, on an immediate inspection. I think Des and... is still asking for somebody to look at them at the site to see if there was, um, if they can see the attempts of psychic damage upon them. Uh, it... Doesn't okay. have to be this very moment, but she'd be like, I would like yeah. somebody to be able to do that, please. Uh, at which point they're like, yeah, uh, one of the wardens speaks up and just says, Yes, we can worry about that later. Right now, uh, we might have bigger problems, as this is one of the most magically guarded places in all of existence. I, um, Uh, I don't think that's enough when someone's been literally invited in. I, we can discuss this later. For now, we should probably, we should probably go, uh, and let somebody know what happened. Alvian uh, looks at Rowan as, "You remember that uh, that tall prick, Dresden?" I think so. Oh uh, yeah. Yep. Turns out uh, that person he invited in listened. Oh shit! Is this a uh... <laughs> walk and talk? Walk and talk, please. Wait, yep. wait. Where's Marcus? Fuck. Alvian, if his boss showed up. Uh, we should probably make sure Marcus is still here. Yeah, uh, where was Walbrook when this all went down? Where is he? You were, you were in here with him. No, the other Walbrook. I'm going to assume that you don't mean his sister. Where's Marcus? I don't know. I just, I just got... uh, I just, we both, we all had the same thing happen. Albion is running it. back towards where he last saw Albion. I mean, not Albion. Albion <laughs> is running to, fuck. The mirror. No, we're, we're, we're going so, back to where you, the trial was, right? Yeah, Albion, going back towards Albion where he last has determined that he's running to find a mirror. Because that's the last <laughs> place he saw Albion. Yeah, I'm running, I'm running to find the last place I saw Marcus. Yeah, okay. I'll, I'll, I'll try to run too, but, but I'm, I'm tired. Yeah, I'm going. She yeah, this I, I'm not going to make you roll for this. Uh, I, I think we can just safely get you to the point where you and the wardens have run back into the sort of main chamber that uh, 
splits off into the varying different locations. The one just like out, uh, basically a big old corridor just outside of the amphitheater where you had the trial. Um, there's, yeah, there's Marcus. He's oh, standing there with Warden Beaumont. <laughs> and, Marcus, uh, did anything yeah. happen to you just now? N- no. Uh, no, why? Um, your former employer just showed up and intervened when we were, uh, I'll, I'll let Des explain. Expl- I saw nothing. First of all, I don't think there's a former there yet. Okay, then your actual boss. We should talk about this in private. There's something else you need to know. What? It's, it's 1137 p- a.m. Local time. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. We did it! Yeah. You guys, we did it! I didn't die. You're in a coma. woo Yeah, I know. It's everything you ever wanted it to be, I'm sure. Being unconscious and somehow a little bit aware. That's it. It's not great. But, um, here you are. What's, like, I, I am very curious about what Sylvester might be thinking whilst in a comatose state. Man, I hope they didn't cut my pants open. Pay decent money for these pants. They probably cut them <laughs> pants open. Fuck. <laughs> Asshole fucking <sighs> nurses, I swear to God. Typical sly. Uh, yeah, so it's it's been an indeterminate amount of time because, I mean, what can you really use to mark the passage of time now? Um, you're kind of, yeah, you're inside your own head and uh, who knows what's going really on. And sometimes you can hear voices, you know, sort of faintly from outside, just the sort of impression uh, that people are around talking, saying things. You can't really make anything out very clearly. So when a voice starts talking to you clearly, that might be a bit of a surprise. And hear someone uh, just say, Dr. Sylvester Coopersmith, I presume? Uh, yeah. Great! I'm glad that I ended up inside the right person's head. Okay. It's really, it's really, uh, it really is a, a problem when you think you've got the right person and then you end up in the wrong person's dream, and it's a whole lot to explain. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Sorry. But, um, um, hey, I'm glad I found the right guy. Uh, so, uh, good news. Uh, normally, when I'm talking to somebody, they're either asleep or they're dead. You're only the one of those things. Oh, cool. Yeah. It turns out that, uh, your friend 
who, uh, let me check my notes, um, Marcus Walbrook, I think, uh, he made sure that you uh, actually didn't die. He looks like he gave up the last of his connection to the uh, Fey Court of Summer and made sure that uh, you had that power popped into you so that you wouldn't just completely uh, meet me the second way. Oh. Oh, that was nice of him. Hmm. Yeah, you mortals are really concerned. We're really concerned about that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Oh, excuse me. Uh, it's, uh... Whew. I never can really feel like I'm fully awake myself. Yeah, I would, uh, I'd get you some coffee, but, uh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, it's true, you're really in no position to do that, unfortunately. (laughs) Pardon me. Um, Yep. Oh, I didn't introduce myself. I'm so terribly sorry. Uh, Allow me. And, uh, you can now make out a figure. Uh, this figure has just absolutely the most tussled, uh, unkempt hair, um, sort of tall and, uh, slender and unusually handsome, like more than a a person should be, but like deep, deep circles under their eyes and, uh, just like wearing very, very, like extremely out of date fashion like centuries or millennia out of date but very loose and baggy um and uh they extend a hand and as they do you can see just like a little bit of some particulate matter kind of uh dropping off of them um it looks like maybe even sand i shake their hand and then i brush my pants off (laughs) good call this is you might know me as uh hypnos Oh, yeah. Though I, I do go by quite a few different names. Um, I think the one that would resonate best with you might be Sandman. That does make sense. <laughs> mm-hmm. So, you'll have to pardon me uh, if I seem like I'm a little uh, disinterested or, you know, uh, not paying attention. No, no, I get times. it. That's your... It's... No, no, I get your gimmick. It's cool, man. Well... Uh, frankly, it's a little more than a, a gimmick. I am the personification of the human concept of sleep, so you'll forgive me if I don't take too kindly to being referred to as a gimmick. Sorry. No, it's it's okay. I actually, I kind of like you guys, so I'll, I'll let that one slide. I've got nothing against human beings. You have the most interesting dreams. Hmm. But, well, there is a reason why I'm here talking to you, I'm sure you can figure. Right. So, I think we should probably get on with it. The first thing is, uh, first thing I must, excuse me, I have to ask is, how familiar are you with your family history? I mean, not very. Yeah, that's understandable. You don't have the sort of infinite recollection of someone like me, so... But, uh, I have, however, happened to know something very important. 
and it's going to come in very handy in a moment. You are descended from somebody who had a very powerful dream, which is what lets me link you to. This is an individual who dreamed of a day when he might be seen as an equal by those around him. And not just him, but, well, everybody like him. He was hmm. somebody who dreamed of the stars so much, he figured out how to position them and see where they would move. And then somebody else who had a very different dream came along and uh, used his dreams of avarice to sort of print those and, you know, basically take the credit eventually later. But uh, I'm talking about an individual named Benjamin Banneker. Are you familiar? A little. Well... Did he make the Farmer's Almanac or something? Ah, uh, he did do almanacs, but Farmer's Almanac, that was the avaricious one. Ah. Uh. The other Benjamin. This one, however... Well, if you don't know him that well, then... Let me, uh... <sighs> And he, he, he sort of blows uh, this like dream sand that gently floats through the space. And as it strikes you, it's it is a very comfortable feeling. Oddly enough, you would think that sand being blown in your face would be uh, horribly irritating. But instead, as as it kind of comes into, you know, connection with you, it feels comforting and relaxing. Uh, and you just sort of are drifting out of this. Uh, whatever state of consciousness that you're in. Uh, and he, he just says, Relax, and time for a family reunion. In the only way I know how. You are now inside of a dream, with inside of your coma, and you are seeing the world through the eyes of your distant relative, your distant ancestor, Benjamin Banneker, observing some very interesting uh, calculations about celestial phenomena. I mean, Ephemeris was very much his deal. And uh, you can see you can see him working uh, on a particular problem and bemoaning the lack of sense of uh, like what he's he's seeing here because there should be no reason for the planets to be aligning the way that they are. It defies his understanding of the natural movement of things in the sky. But the projection is still exactly what it is. Every time he does the math, he looks at it, and there's a syzygy coming, where the planets of the solar system are in just a straight ramrod alignment with the terminus being earth he starts to write a message to one of his friends it's a it's a name that you maybe not are, are not familiar with he but he starts writing letters to some of his various friends the sort of lesser known founders of the united states other Revolutionary War veterans, other uh, significant figures in establishing 
the uh, the sort of foundations of the United States, including a name that you've probably never heard before, Wentworth Cheswill, who he esteems as an archaeologist and as a, a personal confidant in specific matters. And, of course, as he does so, he puts a little seal on there and uh, then behind it encloses a letter using what you recognize as a pig pen cipher. Huh. Though now there seems to be a specific context to it and you remember the other name for this, the Masonic cipher, as he stamps and seals it with the symbol of the Freemasons. Ooh. Pocket Podcast Network. Quality programming right to your pocket. Do you struggle with anxiety or depression? I do. And in this world, we need an escape. Something original and way more interesting than what Hollywood is selling lately. Check out Tia and Rio Attempt to Save Themselves and the World, a narrative fictional podcast written by me, Callie Oberlander, where you'll laugh, cry, and see how even hell itself doesn't have its shit together these days. New episodes on the second Tuesday of every month, wherever you listen to podcasts. <laughs>